was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. A day that would live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a right line. Good day to be living and a good day to die. It led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb. You say, wait a minute, boys. You know who I am. Of course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Shot down like a dog in broad daylight. It was a matter of timing, and the timing was right. You got unpaid debts. We've come to collect. Gonna kill you with hatred without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you, and we'll grin in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. The day they blew out the brains of the king, thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise. Right there in front of everyone's eyes. Greatest magic trick ever under the sun. Perfectly executed, skillfully done. Wolfman, oh wolfman, oh wolfman, how? Rub it up, dub. It's a murder most foul. Welcome to Jokerman Podcast. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. Today is something that we, it's really two years at least in the making. No? Long time in the making, yeah. Two and a half years, I would say. We said that when this song came out, it could be the subject of an entire episode of Jokerman Podcast. And uh, that that's where we're we're at now. We're going to do that. Wouldn't uh, you know it? All these low, these many months later, as part of Bob Vember, uh, one of the latest and greatest surprises and treats uh, part of this month. Not the last one. A couple more coming. Keep your eyes peeled. But I think this one we both been waiting to do. Uh, wait, waiting to do justice to it. I still remember, I think I've recounted this on this, on the show before, but I'm just going to say it again because we're doing the episode. I, I still remember where I was the first time I was hearing this song. I was in my kitchen in my little shoebox fucking apartment on Franklin in Bed-Stuy and I was texting you about it and it was like seven in the morning and it was mm-hmm. several months before the show ever even started. Right. It just like, I woke up and it was like, Bob Dylan 16 minute song listen to this and we were also like seven days in to all of the shit that's been going on for the last two and a half years at this point and it just really felt like a, a flashbulb moment for me and I, it just kept going and going and going and I remember the fucking moment it got to rub-a-dub-dub mm-hmm. I just cracked a grin and I'd like I, <laughs> I was in I was in yeah it's funny 
that is kind of a genesis point of the show because you, for some reason, thought to, to contact me about this. It was just that we both talk. Who else do we talk <laughs> who to? Who else? Bob yeah. Dylan at the moment. Yeah, I guess Evan. And hey, Grace, I, wake up. There's a 17 minute song from Bob Dylan about the JFK assassination. Babe, babe, wake, wake up. Um, you were right to contact me. I think um, I shared in your enthusiasm about it. It felt like the timing, not to get that, <laughs> it was a matter of timing, you could and say. And the timing was right. Right. Uh, yeah, the world suddenly changed in a very dramatic and odd way that sort of thrust everybody into a state of unknowing and, and sort of... Uh, reticent confusion and uh, uh, with the pandemic this was march of 2020 yeah it was like march 20th 25th something like that when the when the song dropped so that was like you know like i guess like two weeks after i think that was like as the shit was cresting in new york which is where were you still there at that time we both were there at the very beginning yeah and then i left yeah and then i was in malibu <laughs> you got on one of the lifeboats off the titanic and i was just fucking stuck in steerage i think i was driving around in agora hills when i heard it first wow that's that's surreal uh released march 27th 2020 through columbia records uh, and it is, yep, it, this <laughs> Bob Dylan singles chronology on old Wikipedia. The preceding one, Wigwam 2013 from, oh. <laughs> from another self-portrait, uh, the, the, the bootleg series. Next one, I Contain Multitudes. I Contain Multitudes. 2020 okay, so came, came out, out. Uh, three weeks later, April 17th, 2020. So this was it. This was the first fucking new Bob Dylan song anyone had gotten a taste of in eight years at this point since the last yeah. fucking note on roll on john on tempest well you know you think about the last part of tempest it's funny i thinking back on it whenever i was thinking about you know what came right before this roll on john was not what i was thinking about roll on john i think is a coda to that record but I was thinking about the song tempest because mm. it's the song that shares the most in common with this one in my mind mm -hmm. there's definitely it's, some you know, tempest dna tempest the song dna in murder most foul right and tempest the song is the dna is almost the exact same genome as the staples singers i believe or no mm. the carter family rather yeah i mean it's a it's a the carter family version of the basically the the song the song yeah, it's like a two minute song initially and then obviously bob just went and made it 16 minutes however long it's shorter than murder most foul i know but not by much it's a, also a song about a national tragedy a sort of world historic tragedy and that's why i think i connected them so uh, it was obvious to me like i did i really hadn't even thought about roland john but that said roland john another the connection for another for, uh, an assassinated Titan of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Notable, incredibly famous person, someone people cared and had so many feelings and ideas about John Lennon. So really, they're the last two songs that come before Murder Most Foul are a it, it shouldn't surprise you in a way that something like this was coming down the pipe. Yeah, you put uh, you put Tempest, career. you put Tempest and Roll on John together into the the machine from the fly, 
and what emerges is his murder most foul, like oozing, oozing pus and and blood well, and bad vibes. I th- more like you put them through some kind of a time machine, um, and then the time machine breaks while you're inside of it, and you don't know where you are. It's like mm. it's like in SpongeBob when Squidward gets stuck in the time machine, then he ends up in the. <laughs> that no, nothing place of all the references I was expecting you to drop on the murder most foul episode Spongebob, SpongeBob and Squidward Bob. was not on the list you remember that time that uh, Bob Dylan says Spongebob I on, do uh, theme time radio yeah that was pretty good Spongebob 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 uh, so to differentiate it from Bob Dylan Sponge <laughs> he's Spongebob all right <laughs> anyway it's I, I do think that the idea uh, that I was trying to put across there is how I do think about it. it is it has to do with time being fragile or, or malleable and, and and transparent. It's this kind of collage and layering of transparent and opaque moments and fragments. Mm-hmm. That's really what what he's done on the song more so than either of those songs. Uh, Roll on John or Tempest, which both of which I really do love. But the thing that struck me the most listening to it, this, you know, in preparation for this episode was um, the way that it sounds and the structure of the song musically and just how arresting and shocking it is because there is nothing else like it in Bob Dylan's career that nothing else sounds like this or is structured this way or has this amorphous quality. Yeah. Musically, musically, I mean, it is, it is, uh, of its own breed, its own vintage in Bob's catalog. I do think that like where we're, we're at at this point, this vantage point, you know, in 2022, it, um, you know, it, it can be contextualized a little bit more and does not appear like the just, you know, shocking left-hand turn that it initially might have. Um, and it was commented on so many times because of things like Tempest and Roll on John, which we've talked about. And because I think a lot of the, not the music tour. necessarily, but the, um, yeah, the tour and just the, the overall atmosphere and kind of energy and spirit of all of the uh, standards records, I think is very present yeah. in here. Uh, and not to mention this song is haunted by the ghost of Frank Sinatra on top of that. Um, and then also uh, more recently, and I'm, and I'm glad honestly that we've waited this long to do this, whatever this is, revisit on this or visit for the first time on Murder Most Foul. I see a lot of the same DNA in this as I see the in the book. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is, is evident and obvious just on the surface level in that he's riffing off all these old fucking songs from the 1920s, yeah. 30s, 40s and 50s. But beyond that, um, just the way that he is able to locate those songs within the context of this greater um, and really kind of unprecedented moment in time and tie the two of those together and and pull out so much marrow from what appear to be hollow bones, you know, these these uh, little just flotsam, jetsam the basic songs. songs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly what he's done in the book, right down to the fact that some of the fucking songs that he writes about in the book, he name checks in Murder Most Foul. Right. Um, the, so. That is uh, the, the exact same thought process occurred to me. And I was, you know, saying recently on the episode we did about the book that my biggest takeaway from it has been that 
Bob Dylan um, seems to think about the songs. Yeah, and they are hollow. He, but what they do is give you a place to fill that space. They are signposts. They are the finger pointing at something. They are not the thing itself, but they're a symbol or a totem or some kind of souvenir of certain feelings, certain emotions. Each one of those songs can be read into, can be appreciated as deep as anything for what they elucidate about a specific topic or Mm -hmm. moment. I mean, the, the phrase song of songs comes to mind the idea of that. And that's really what this is. It is literally a song of songs. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, packing all of the, uh, uh, history and legacy and, and references and emotion and pathos of all of the songs that he references into his own song. And it's not there on the surface, but it is there if you care to dig it out. And that's what we're going to try to do here today to an extent. Well, it's a song that I don't, it's a song. Calling it a song feels even <laughs> cheap. It's a work of art that I think will be uh, discussed infinitely. Yeah, we're not going to get to the bottom of it on this one, folks. It's, we're probably going to be here for two hours, and <laughs> there's still going to be plenty more to go after we're done. What we are going to do is uh, address it <laughs> as address best it. we can. Exactly. And take it, uh, I think, just take it one step at a time. I, don't, I, I do want to go through, like I was saying uh, before we started, I want to go through beginning to end here and, uh, and just see what, we can, see what we can pull out here because there there's an awful lot. Uh, should we just, I guess we should, Yeah. we got to do it at some point, right? It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day that will live on in infamy. 59 years ago, to the date when this is being released, at least, not as we're recording. So, couldn't make it to the 60-year anniversary, but uh, here we are, 11-22-22. Doesn't really matter which year anniversary it is. I, I think coming when something is living on in infamy, it doesn't really... Those things don't really matter. Yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like a birthday that we're not. It's not like we're no. missing his golden birthday. <laughs> exactly. Someone um, in the song did not uh, get to have uh, any more golden birthdays. That's right. Not even any silver birthdays. Uh, day that will live on in infamy. We're borrowing language right off the bat. Line two. You know where that comes from? Day that will live in infamy. Ah, uh, yes. The speech about Pearl Harbor. There you go. Yeah. Another president of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Another world historic tragedy on American uh, soil. Indeed. Uh, but so, I mean, from from the jump, right, we are borrowing language. We're pulling other people's uh, uh, words and deploying them in yeah. service of something greater. The title itself, Murder Most Foul, Hamlet. Hamlet. Spoken by the ghost of Hamlet's father. That's right. Interestingly, you know, when I think about that, you, I can't help but think about how in Hamlet he is not even sure what he is. He's not even sure if, if it's a ghost, whatever it is. I believe there's the, uh, if ghost you be, or uh, what is the line? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. I certainly could not recite it, but I, I know... He, it's you know, he's not sure if it's a ghost or an apparition or something that's actually real or if he's going crazy and totally just not seeing anything. Yeah, he's not sure if he's a 
a demon or a devil or an honest ghost, you know, a, a sort of actual, a, a benevolent spirit or some kind of apparition. And we could talk about what the implications of that are to no end right. but, uh, for the that being the refrain and title of the song. Yeah. Um, but I think if we want to talk about that just a little bit, it is interesting because I suppose you could make the jump that that being the case, the, the role of the artist as the narrator, as the ghost kind of is what comes to mind. The idea of Dylan as a, uh, not as Dylan, Dylan as the conduit for a, some kind of message, some kind of disembodied voice, uh, relating these events, relating these ideas and images. Yeah. Shakespeare is, is before you even listen to a second of this song already present here and, and comes back several times actually again towards, towards the end. I think I I mentioned Sinatra sort of haunts this. I think Shakespeare and Sinatra are sort of like the two twin fucking like support memes that, that this entire song, the the twin towers of of the The twin towers. Exactly. Of the song. Um, and, uh, and I think that's appropriate because I would imagine, you know, I know for certain Bob considers Frank to be maybe the greatest performer, singer, you know, musician of all time. Um, and I would imagine, uh, that he, he considers Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. kind of up there along with Frank in the, in the, at least in the world of, you know, dramatists. So, um, the best, the, the ultimate team, you know, got, yeah, exactly. yeah the, the one who, who writes and the one who performs performs exactly uh president kenny was riding high good day to be living in a good day to die being led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb say wait a minute boys do you know who i am i think these are interesting lines here at the beginning JFK is being led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb first of numerous sort of christian uh, uh, references, uh, literal like kind of allegories or allusions to Christ in this case. Uh, you know, uh, I think there's a lot, the line from the Bible, he's brought as a lamb to slaughter. And then I think what's interesting here right after this is very casually, cause Bob doesn't, you know, this is a song. He's not interested in unpacking the, you know, conspiracy behind the assassination, but it is clear just from his language that he does not believe the official story <laughs> behind this whole thing. Yeah. And no, it seems to, you know, have a pose as if uh, he knows for a fact, you know, with absolute certainty that Lee Harvey Oswald was not the assassin, or at least the sole assassin of John F. Kennedy. Wait a minute, boys. Do you know who I am? Of course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Whoever this we is, is this presence that's going to haunt the entire song. And it comes back again, again and again. We don't really get any sort of resolution or, you know, uh, uh, explanation of who that might be, and ultimately the song isn't about that. But this well, is all I don't just know. to say it's not. It's not the official story. Is not is is not what Bob's working with here. No, it's not the official story. But I am glad you brought that up because actually something that you shared on Jokerman uh, Twitter, uh, if this if Twitter still exists by the time we uh, post this, was uh, it comes to mind mm. an excerpt from the book. Where he's talking about voting. I'll just read what he says. Sure. As people, we tend to feel very proud of ourselves because of democracy. We walk into that booth and cast our votes and wear the adhesive. I love that he says adhesive. That's good. The adhesive I voted sticker as if it's a badge of honor. 
but the truth is more complex. We have as much responsibility coming out of the booth as we do going in. If the people we elect are sending people to their deaths or worse, sending other people half a world away whom we never even consider because they don't look like us or sound like us to their deaths, and we do nothing to stop it, aren't we just as guilty? And if we want to see a war criminal, all we have to do is look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about that we, I do think that maybe he's playing fast and loose with the idea of we, and at times it's a we that includes all of us. Of course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Right. It's sort of this shared guilt. And I think the song has that very deeply ingrained within it is a feeling of all of this being our responsibility Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah, I think he's definitely holding everyone to account here, not saying that you or I or anyone else living in 1963 were necessarily the ones to pull the trigger, but absolutely, we all have a place in this constellation of events and people and problems. And yeah, I want to be very clear about that because I don't think that it's some mumbo jumbo about how something you did inadvertently led to this but in a way it, it it's i think more having to do with what what made it so that you were born when and where and who to whom you were and you may have as well been born to the parents you know who and to the life that ends with you literally pulling the trigger it's you know it's just chance that you're not the literal one who did it um it shows something about what we all uh, are capable of. The vulgar, sh- like the shock of him saying they blew off his head while he was still in the car. That struck me listening to the song lately is just how thinking about it, you know, if, if once if you really open up to the song, which I think it took me a while to get to a point where I was open enough for that line to shock me. But having listened to it a lot and and becoming familiar with it, I think I started to engage with the song just like, you know, we have so far with like thinking about each line. And then when that line comes, it, it actually does paint this very vivid and shocking moment, just like it, the film does of the of his head being literally burst like a melon just absolutely horrifying the most violent death that you could really think of uh, that the the kind of death everyone sort of thinks of certainly one of the signature deaths of it's one uh, of the great of the one of the most century. famous types yeah uh, being having your head fucking blown off that's a that's a three star death he might as well have said and then his head gets fucking blown off because that's the effect <laughs> of that line it really is you know then they blew off his head while he was still in the car um you know, I mean, literally, his head didn't actually fall off, but I mean, he some of blew, it. Did. Yeah, it <laughs> might as well have. I think we can say that. Shot down like a dog in broad daylight. It was a matter of timing, and the timing was right. You got unpaid debts, and we've come to collect. We're gonna kill you with hatred and without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you. We'll grin in your face. We like that. We like doing this to you. We're going to blow off your head while you're still in the car. Shoot you like a dog, like a dog. 
and we're going to grin in your face. We've already got somebody here to take your place. The day they blew out the brains of the king, thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise, right there in front of everyone's eyes. Like, there's almost kind of a... Like reading this, there's almost like a night before Christmas, yeah, kind of like yeah, a rhythmic, like like Hans Christian Andersen, like classical storybook kind of rhythm yes. to it. There is, despite the fucking subject matter, obviously. Nice Hans Christian Andersen drop. There. I'm a big, you know, you know me. I love. I'm I'm a big Christian Andersen guy. Have you seen the film with Danny Kaye? Uh, I don't know that I have. I'm Hans Christian Andersen. Nope. Oh, wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. Okay. <laughs> uh, that line, one of those lines there at the end of this first stanza, uh, thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. Happened so quickly, so quick by surprise, right there in front of everyone's eyes. Uh, I think that line also, and the next one, just as we move along out of this, greatest magic trick ever under the sun, those couple lines right in a row, key up one of the major themes that runs through this whole song from beginning to end. Uh, and it's one that I hadn't really thought about or realized until literally like pasting all these lyrics into a Google doc and going through line by line and seeing how they all match up. Uh, and it's this, this, um, uh, this motif of like, of performance and showmanship and magic and like carny, like carnival kind of shit, which we know yeah. we've talked about extensively. Bob is, you know, that, that is something that is just stenciled onto his brain from youth. Um, and, and it comes back several more times as we go on and I'll point it out, but there's this, there's this element I think that emerges by the end of the song. And, and this is where it starts, where like this whole event that happened is, is like a bit of entertainment really is like a show that's put on for the observers, for people to watch and participate in and kind of relish and enjoy in its own sick kind of fucked up way. Well, um, you know, what that brings to mind is uh, Stockhausen's comments about 9-11. Are you familiar with that? Lay them on me. The greatest work of art imaginable for the whole cosmos. You know, acknowledging it as a work of art, um, obviously controversial and um, extremely insensitive to some people's uh, sensibilities, understandably. But I think the point being made stands that... What what really separates something like this from art, really? You know, we live in now in a time when everything you've ever heard about performance art, the reason why it's almost a, a farcical joke to talk about performance art often oh, these days. Almost. <laughs> oh, well, sure. <laughs> it's because, you know, there's extreme things have happened under that distinction and right. given been given that distinction. And... um. The idea of a snuff film, you know, something for entertainment made for it doesn't necessarily mean high or low art doesn't mean it's good or moral or at all. But what it is, is some kind of a magic trick. It's some kind of a it's some kind of an intentional act meant to create a feeling and a response. There's horrific artfulness to the way that it was executed. The word execute here is also a interesting and well, just kind of like a almost funny double entendre, perfectly executed. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of those uh, double and even triple entendres uh, throughout. Uh, perfectly executed, skillfully done. Wolfman and Wolfman, Wolfman, oh how rub a dub dub. It's murder most foul. It's one of the, one of the great lines in the entire fucking discography. Rub a dub dub. 
rub a dub dub. Uh, yeah, there's it's the fucking it's, it's the Han Christian Anderson thinking all over again. Um, well, that's a song. What is rub a dub dub? Is, is it like a pop song? Uh, yeah, or it's well, it's a uh, not like a nursery rhyme. Like no, rub a dub no. dub. I'm in the tub. Uh, no, no, it's um actually a song. Hank Thompson and his Brazos Valley Boys. I can only assume that that's the one he's referring <laughs> that sounds, to. That sounds like something. <laughs> sounds right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once upon a time in the nursery rhyme, three little men got lost. Like you and me, they couldn't agree, and upon the waves they tossed. I'll sing their tune, cause I got marooned with a love I can't forget. Now the three little men just took me in on an ocean of regret. With our rub-a-dub-dub, three men a tub lost on the ocean blue i roll like a hub sing rub-a-dub-dub cause you broke my heart in two uh well speaking of songs uh hush little children you'll soon understand the beatles are coming they're gonna call, hold your hand slide down the banister go get your coat fairy cross the mercy and go for another song by the way Yes, Fairy Across the Mercy, uh, you know, and the Beatles obviously were sort of the uh, greatest practitioners of the Mersey Beat style, uh, the Mersey being the river that runs through Liverpool. This is interesting. Does he say you'll soon understand in the song? Or mm-hmm. I thought it was you'll understand. Well, I'm so that is, and that's a good point is is uh, you might he might say you'll understand. I'm these lyrics that I'm reciting here are the lyrics from the right web, from the, the website. website, which differ from what he actually says in little weird ways. Yeah. And that's one that's, you know, every single one of those changes you could read into. Um, exactly. Hush, little children, you'll soon understand. Um, well, this is the moment. Wolfman, oh, Wolfman. That, that's the the moment where we introduce the idea of the radio of Wolfman Jack who was a prominent radio DJ in the mid 20th century. Um, Mm -hmm. Broadcasting from uh, just south of the border down in Mexico. Um, He was uh, in Ciudad Acuna right across the border in 1963. The most powerful, unprecedentedly powerful literal radio tower that would have allowed him to reach virtually all of America, um, which was basically not possible within the States due to, regulations on the kind of fucking transmitting you can do as a radio DJ. I love the just concept of like, he had the biggest, tallest tower. So more people could yeah. hear him from coast That's why to coast. he was there. He was just there to, to skirt some kind of technical hurdle he's and like, ended up being the, yeah, the, the wolf man howling from the tallest mountain. Right. He's like this, this, like this spirit, this ghost that like, uh, uh haunts the country it is not within, you know, the United States of America, but, but is able to access and, 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 uh, haunt all over it from coast to coast. Uh, and, and yet at the same time remain completely untouchable. He's like this, like your, uh, the, the super ego or something of the, of the country. Well, in the song, I think it's as close as you get to God. I think that instead of God, well, God makes an appearance too. But we'll get there. Anyway, the effect, I think, of Wolfman, it's um, it's used here in the song as a sort of uh, as, as like somebody you would call out to in a time of distress. It's pretty clear at this point and then through the rest of the song that the asking, the pleading of to him to place something, um, mm-hmm. it's 
a prayer. It's a it's a spirit that mm-hmm. you might want to um, address. No, literal, like a literal, actual, tangible spirit in that it's someone you can hear and that you can't see. You know, to, to someone a hundred who who heard him a hundred years earlier, it would have been indistinguishable from magic. I mean, uh, I want to just point out. Uh, you know, we did talk about this briefly, and I will just talk touch upon it briefly, but. You know, that that Scott Walker song about 9-11 has a similar thing, uh, the idea of Elvis and his relationship to his uh, stillborn twin brother calling out to him as a kind of uh, in, in a, as for solace in a, in a moment of, of, of pain or distress. And I think that the, there's a similar thing happening here with the um, invocation of of the wolf man he and he ends up becoming this figure that sort of you know he's almost uh i don't know the right character in fucking greek mythology or something but one of those kind of characters that like guides you into the underworld like this 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 calming soothing uh a familiar presence uh that helps push you along through the threshold into you know the next stage of your being or we'll see a little yeah, bit later out of perhaps but uh, only oh, out of the corporeal being into your next stage um yeah rub it up dub it's a murder most foul hush little children you'll understand the beetles are coming they're gonna hold your hand Fly down the banister, go get your coat Ferry across the mercy and go for the throw There's three bumps coming all dressed in rags Pick up the pieces and lower the flags I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian age Then I'll go to Altamont and sit near the stage Put your head out the window, let the good times roll There's a party going on behind the grassy knoll Stack up the bricks, pour the cement Don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President Put your foot in the tank and step on the gas Hush little children, you'll soon understand, or you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. A little bit of trivia. Bob obviously would have known this going into it, but I just learned it. I Want to Hold Your Hand by The Beatles. Recorded October 17th, 1963. Released on a 7-inch. 11-29-63. Seven days to the date after Kennedy's assassination. Which I think is really significant, uh, and it's not the first of these date kind of coincidences that we're going to get in this um, uh, in this song. And I think it's it's important to establish here and and worth commenting on because it's going to come back and in fucking bold, bright neon letters uh, at a certain point. I think this moment here, this Kennedy Kennedy assassination, Bob views as this like this event horizon for American yeah. culture, ultimately. And well, that as soon yeah. as this took place, we were through the looking glass into this dimension uh, and an alternate timeline, really, of ultimate kind of doom and misery and hopelessness. Yeah. And the Beatles emerging seven days after 
uh, Kennedy's assassination. They're coming. They're coming exactly, and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna hold your hand. Uh, might have appeared initially as a great, you know, obviously we love the Beatles. Everyone's stoked about them blowing blowing the the lid off the old culture and and you know bringing in this this vibrant new world. Uh, and yet, in hindsight, uh, it, you know, they end up taking on this almost kind of sinister quality. The way that he threads those two pieces together. I don't know what exactly changed for me, but I mean, maybe it was certain things that Grill Marcus said, but lately the song has sort of reshaped itself in my mind as I've listened to it. And when I I used to think of it as, you know, I was really impressed by it and the, the richness and depth of it. And that was what was so striking. You know, the, the gravitas of it was undeniable and obvious. There was so much there. And I think, you know, when we first were hearing it and talking about it, we had some idea that it would be something that would take a long time to grapple with and and digest. It's an unbearably sad song. It's a song that... uh, It's a horror story. It's it's a it's a tragedy. I mean, saying those things feels like it cheapens it. What what it is is it's a song that I mean, that line and and many others, unexpected lines struck me and really affected me emotionally. Um, uh, the sheer joy and exuberance of "I want to hold your hand," um, you know, the emotional heights of it. Everybody knows that song and loves it for the the ecstatic and um, happy and and hopeful qualities it has. Mm-hmm. The way that he reframes it here um, is it's like really heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's a, it's a shocking kind of way to to put it across. And especially after that previous line, "Hush, little children, you'll soon understand." Shut yeah. up, kids. You're gonna you're gonna understand soon. The Beatles are coming. And they're going to hold your, it's just, it's, it's such an off-putting way to describe that. And it's got this just thrillingly unexpected note of discordance and, and discomfort and just like kind of like queasiness. It's, it's brutal because I think that what that line also makes me think of and, and, you know, I think that there's part of it that he's, he's talking about the, the innocence of, you know, all the adults, everybody, just the sort of general culture but it also reminds you of the the fact that after this happened, every parent in America had to talk to their children and try to tell them what was going on and what had happened. We're going to have the talk. That nice man who like you probably are made to draw little crayon pictures of in, in school, he was murdered. <laughs> he was murdered in front of everyone. It's a pretty harsh and and just yeah, shocking combination of thoughts that yes. it could be because of that. Um, Bad boss. Slide down the banister. Go get your coat. That's another line that totally sticks with me. Yeah, because it's so. It's like a Frank Capra movie. It's like so. Like it's like the that's such a early twentieth century uh, image. But it's it's this black and white cinematic, like life with father. Like this sort of like quaint innocent 1900s like uh magnificent ambersons type of thing totally yeah um, this song is obsessed with like the first two three decades of the 20th century there's no question about that and that line's a perfect explanation of that yeah. there's also so many like references that are built into every one of these lines and this is one of the few that like there isn't as far as i can tell at least 
Um, and actually looking at it next to the following line, slide down the banister, go get your throat, ferry, cross the Mersey, and go for the throat. I, have you seen JFK? Oliver Stone's JFK? I haven't. Uh, this move, this song is obsessed with that fucking song. Um, and with that this movie, is, you mean? With, excuse me, with the movie, yeah. Guy Bannister and uh, David Ferry, uh, two of the, <laughs> the uh, l- leading characters uh, that uh, Kevin Cosner gets involved in or kind of goes after uh, in this song. There, that, yeah, there are other instances in, in which that comes up, but Bob has clearly been uh, huffing, huffing the Oliver Stone Cush uh, uh, going into the writing of this. Um, there's three bums, three bums coming all dressed in rags. You know about the three bums, the three tramps. They were arrested near the book depository wow. uh, after the assassination, uh, photographed in the newspaper. Uh, Jim Garrison, the, the Kevin Cosner in Oliver Stone's uh, JFK, uh, alleged that these three supposed tramps uh, were part of the assassination plot and could have potentially been CIA contractors or employees. Uh, later on, the FBI reported that one of the three men, Harold Doyle, was dead within a month. Hmm. The other two were just off twisting in the wind somewhere. A little bit of Jokerman lore connection here. In 1974, friend of the program, A.J. Weberman, alleged that two of the three tramps were also the Watergate burglars, E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis in his book length investigation. See, that's one of those that's one of those things that could make you go insane because it's like the <laughs> thing of <laughs> you know, it's like for everything AJ Weberman says that makes us um just uh just say hmm? there there's little things like that which sound almost plausible and and it's like God, like uh, what if he did? What if yeah. some of his true? There's just like a yeah. There's like a two percent chance that he's totally right about. This everything. is how <laughs> all of the great conspiracy uh, theories really get. They dig their nails into everyone into people's minds. It's because it's because of things like this where it's like every once in a while somebody who's like unreliable on some level says something that turns out to be true in a way that nobody could have uh, figured. And then it's just all bets are off. Yeah, it's the it's the monkeys on the tie. A broken clock is right twice a day, sort of thing. And to be clear, it's not. We have no idea if this is actually true that two of these three bums or tramps were also the Watergate burglars. But that just was the contention of sure. friend of the po- program, AJ Weberman. In spirit, that kind of thing is true because the CIA sure. is. Uh, it's, mo- it's shit like that. Moloch's fucking uh, uh, agency on <laughs> on this mortal coil. Pick up the pieces, lower the flags. I'm going to Woodstock. It's the Aquarian Age. Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage. We know the references here. Woodstock, Woodstock 69, Altamont, Altamont 69, obviously site Yeah, of- I mean, Altamont is, yeah, the... There's Woodstock, the ideal version of it, at least in the public consciousness and uh, shared memory. And there's Altamont, the sort of nadir of the uh, the 60s. reality. What what was actually happening there? What was probably happening on you know not the deaths per se, but in other forms. Yeah, probably ninety percent of too. the same shit on Woodstock. Exactly. This is a point where I think a, a another thing about the song is that more than just being about. Or more specifically, I, I think that it, it's, it's a song that is really about the boomer soul, the boomer plight existentially. And and I don't mean that to be just like dropping buzzwords, but I, I genuinely think that 
You're engaging in generational warfare. Well, I think that what it is is actually a way to help understand certain things that are commonly held ideas about that generation. The death of hope that he is kind of talking about, the the breaking of a of spirit, is um, right there in those two lines about Woodstock and Altamont. That's a generation we think of as you know taking and taking and taking and being entitled. And, and just kind of being selfish. But it's also a generation that if you want to look at the, the positive qualities, it's a generation that has that produced a lot, uh, uh, overproduced, actually, a kind of disregard for the future because it seemed like everything was just going to kind of flow forever. You know, this event and Altamont and a few others, you know, they, they kind of were these harsh, big speed bumps and eventually just a wall that that spirit and that idealism encountered. There are there are things that brought out the worst in that kind of in, in that generation's ideas and right. and, and hurt it really broke their dreams. It yeah. really it soured and poisoned a lot because there was an idealism. There was there were things that people believed about JFK, whether you care about him per se or not. Yeah, he acts as a symbol here. You know, it's he's not. I, I, that's you know, it, uh, he's clearly just sort of an idea uh, uh, here uh, in the song, at least. And I think you know, in reality, to an extent, you know, we don't need to evaluate him as a politician or like what his you know policies or the fucking you know whether the economy was up or down in 1962 or whatever. But just that you know, he's he's a very potent symbol. Yeah, um, it's the going to the moon. It's the idea of the new frontier. It's the new these, frontier, exactly. These these things of uh, wanting to of shepherding us across into some kind of better age where that flow and energy post-war would continue and have a place to land and be planted and flourish. And that thing, that seed of idealism is brutally cut down at this point. And it's... It's the, I think there's some bitterness almost aimed at himself as, for being part of that generation too, but it, it's a complicated thing. It's like, I know you want to just be happy, but did you just see what happened? I know you want to just like party and be like it was, but it's not going to be like it was. And you have to just look around and be honest about like where we really are at now. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of move on, uh, pretend it's not really it's like whatever it's like street hassle you know it's just just get the fucking dead bitch out of here sure so yeah. we can keep partying yeah i i think you're i think you're right i, th- I think he's pointing that. like a, he's kind of being he's calling out that attitude here yeah yeah i mean the the boomers are are uh widely understood in the culture as you know history's greatest villains for great yeah. for great reason oh i'll go um, to woodstock the aquarian age then i'll go to altamont and sit near the stage i'll go to the opening of a fucking envelope i'm just a fucking good yeah let the good times roll there's more and more i'm seeing this section as being really pissed yeah but yeah, I think you're right that he is kind of uh, uh, locating their failure and their ultimate disillusion and, uh, um, you know, just sort of challenges that they encounter and obviously what they turned into in the 80s. The, you know, fucking 
Reagan voting, me, me, me guys, um, uh, locating that uh, resolution in an event like this, which was to an extent out of their hands. Um, and, and uh, you know, who's, in whose hands it was, not necessarily illustrating, but, you know, uh, sort of drawing the link between what, ha- what goes on to happen with stuff that had happened way earlier before. Yeah, I think the song has a kind of war with itself where, yes, it's out of our hands. This was something that we all were victims of, but what we do have control over is what we do then. What? How do we react? What do we do in the face of something like this? And I think that this section is, and, pro- and others at various points is an indictment of the the failure to grapple seriously with what has happened. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious about this, uh, the first person pronouns in these, to go super lit grid here. I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian Age, then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage. These are the only appearances of the first person pronoun, I think, in this entire, this entire stanza. Yeah, in the in this stanza, um, yeah, yeah. So and and that's part of this is we are shifting from I to we to you to they mm-hmm. all over this fucking song the same way that you're doing Tangled Up in Blue. And I know that when we talked to Griel, he mentioned, um, you know, he, he conceives that this whole song is taking place in Kennedy's brain in between the moment of the impact of the first shot and the second shot, which totally makes sense and I completely buy. But on this closer kind of like. More inspection here. <laughs> that's that's true, and also, and yeah. Actually. I mean, I I feel like there's so much more here, and and this line in particular. I'm going to Woodstock. It's the Aquarian Age. Like anyone who's at all familiar with Bob's fucking history knows, Bob went to Woodstock, not to the Woodstock Festival in '69. Bob went to Woodstock to live to escape all of this bullshit. Right. And so I don't think there is a clear singular answer here. Is this Bob Dylan going to Woodstock in 1965 to buy a house? Or is this some other fucking JFK's ghost? It feels uh, like it's a mocking, it's a, like a mocking of it. sort of comment on the, he's saying like, oh, I'm going to Woodstock. It's the Aquarian age. Then I'll go to Altamont. Like there's he's so kind of, much there and there's no right or wrong answer. But, it, you know, it, it, it's like a, there's like fucking four different readings of this, this singular line. And they I all, don't know this, this one in particular, like I, I, my read anyway, is that this section, especially with uh, stack up the bricks and pour the cement. Don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President. Um there's something about this section that feels th- those two lines, those first person parts, I think feel motive. They are angry. They're mocking. They are about thoughtlessness. So I, so I is who? I think that it's like the way that you'd go, Oh, I'm going to Woodstock. It's sort of this actually pretty sarcastic and biting moment. I don't know. I, that's and there. The, that there's is there. a party going on behind the grassy knoll. I mean, that feels so sarcastic. Like, that's totally there. But I think there's just four other fucking dimensions on top. Of I mean, that. and I that's think, why, he's, you know, I think you're right. But I I think that there are sections that address a certain emotions. Like, I, I do think this one feels angry. And there's other parts, though, that absolutely don't like the next whole section. I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in the red light district, like a cop on the beat. Living in a nightmare on Elm Street. On Elm Street. That's a great line. Before we get there, just to wrap up this this previous verse, 
Uh, stack of the bricks, pour the cement, don't say Dallas doesn't love you, Mr. President. Put your foot on the tank, step on the gas, try to make it to the triple underpass. That's the underpass after the, the motorcade. That's the underpass right in front of the motorcade, exactly. They're in Dealey Plaza, the triple Didn't underpass. Didn't they go through an, uh, an underpass or into a tunnel? Directly following the shots, they go right. through the underpass, exactly. That's the intersection of Elm, Main, and Commerce Street. Elm so that's Street. where living in a nightmare on Elm Street comes from. But before we get there, blackface singer, whiteface clown, better not show your face after the sun goes down. This last line seems to be a reference to a sundown town, uh, which is sort of a, a racial covenant, you know, from the early 20th, early to mid 20th century. That's an all white kind of town uh, in which people of color are not welcome, quote, after the sun goes down. Um but blackface singer, whiteface clown, I don't want to spend too much time unpucking that right now because we'll come back to this concept. But that's just that's a very interesting line here. The oh, first yeah. clear, clear as day reference to race in this song. Uh, and it could not be more kind of electric coming at this moment, I think. And also, I don't know exactly what he's <laughs> who knows what he's really saying about well, it. But I've got it, I've got an answer for you, but well, well, we'll get there when we get to the end of the song. Okay. <laughs> it's in fucking three hours. Cause this I'm going to guess that it doesn't reflect kindly on white people. Uh, you know, you could say something like that. Um, it, we've done this for an hour and we've gotten well, right, less than a quarter of the song. Moving on. I'm in the red light district, like a cop on the beach. Living in a nightmare on Elm Street When you're down on New Bellum Put your money in your shoe Don't ask what your country can do for you Cash on the ballad Money to burn Billy Plaza, make a left hand turn. I'm going down to the crossroads, gonna fly a ride. The place where faith, hope, and charity died. Shoot him while he runs, boy. Shoot him while you can. See if you can shoot the invisible man. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Uncle Sam. Frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. What is the truth? Where did it go? Ask Oswald and Ruby Leon, I know. Shut your mouth, say the last old owl. Business is business, and it's a murder most found. Um, I'm in the red light district like a cop on the beat. The red light district, literally, we're referring to Deep Ellum, um, which is the neighborhood in which the shooting took place, right? This was a historically black neighborhood that saw its quality of life dip following the installation of a massive highway in the middle of Dallas as the the uh, same pattern was repeated time and time again in different cities all across the country around this time. 
living in a nightmare on Elm Street. We're literally in a nightmare on Elm Street. And also, I think Bob is just fucking, he likes stupid movies, as as we've talked about extensively with uh, the uh, the Last Blood reference from last year's uh, Beacon Theater performances. Hey, don't slag off Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a good movie. Listen, I, I'm certainly not. I just think Bob just likes, you know, he, he likes to have fun at the movies. He's, he's a... Uh, He's a, a popcorn man. Um, yeah. Popcorn. When you're down on Deep Ellum, put, put your, your money in your shoe. shoe. This is the first line of the song Deep Ellum Blues. Uh, put your money in your shoe, obviously, a uh, thing you'd say to somebody who's going into a dangerous part of town. Dangerous so part you of don't town. Get mugged. That's right. Deep Ellum Blues also covered extensively by the Grateful Dead. This next line I want to point out because I think that it's one that it maybe is, I think my, the it's come to feel like the most important line in the song in some ways for me. It was just very quick, but don't ask what your country can do for you. Right. An ironic a deployment of Kennedy's line, obviously. Ask not what you can do for your country, but yeah. what you can, no. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. The way that it's deployed in the song um, has like really stopped me cold when I've been listening to it because it's like, don't ask what your country can do for you because the answer is going to be something you don't like. This is what your country can do for you. you they can put you in a Cadillac and shoot your fucking brains out. Yeah. Well, this is, yeah. Don't ask. Just <laughs> Actually, just, it was a Lincoln. Excuse me. Yeah, fucking fitting. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that also in a little bit. Don't ask what your country can don't, do yeah, for you. Don't ask. It's, you don't want the answer to what your country can do yeah. for you. It's, it's That line just has like sort of rung through the whole song for me. It's like, it's a song that kind of revolves around that. It's like, don't ask what your, your country can do for you because. You're not going to like yeah. the answer. Uh, cash on the barrel head, money to burn. Two song references. We're into the song references, folks. Uh, Cash on the Barrelhead, this is a Leuven Brothers honky-tonk country classic uh, regarding literally cash on the top of a barrel, as in like a table sort of thing. Here we have a bit of a double entendre because what does a bullet come from? It comes from the barrel huh, of a gun. Money to burn. Money to burn. Is there a contract killing aspect to this whole thing? That's a George Jones uh, song, should be noted, uh, Money to Burn. Dealey Plaza, make a left-hand turn. We're in Dealey Plaza in, with the assassination. He literally did make a left turn onto Elm Street just before right. getting domed. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, a left-hand turn can also be interpreted as sort of a mistake or a sudden uh, a movement out of the path that you should be on. A couple more lines here. Interesting. Go down to the crossroads, try to flag a ride. That's the place where faith, hope, and charity died. Shoot him while he runs, boy. Shoot him while you can. See if you can shoot the invisible man. Yeah, I, I thought about the this line a little bit. As you got anything there? Possibly, yeah. I thought possibly it's about trying to get the uh, the person who is tried, uh, trying to get the person who committed the crime like you're shit out of luck the the invisible man being the actual killer the per yeah the person who supposedly killed him that no one has ever been able to that's find. the only read on it that i 
think makes any sense to me at this point. Yeah, no, I think that's totally like that's the that is that is definitely the reading of like the actual kind of language on the page. Should also be noted, Invisible Man, when we pull it from Bob's website, Invisible Capital I Man Capital M. Well, there's a the the book. The book, well. bingo, exactly. There, there's also the I movie. Mean, there Invisible is the movie. <laughs> this is the book, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, uh, regarding uh, the experience of a black man in urban America in the mid-20th century and his, you know, kind of uh, status as literally an invisible man. His concerns aren't addressed. He doesn't exist for the vast majority of the world around him. Race is, here's race again. It's haunting the picture. It may be, certainly. This is my, this is my interpretation, at least. Uh, the only reason I would fight against that interpretation is, and maybe just it being literally the Invisible Man, is that earlier in this section, we we're talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street, and then we've got another famous horror movie. Right. Well, um, but I don't think both. you're wrong, but it's yeah. It's both. It's, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. It's obviously he's referencing the fucking movie. But it's also Elm really Street. Elm Street, exactly. Right. And this so, is the same thing. We're talking about the stupid fucking Invisible God, we're Man. Be some, this episode's going to be nine hours long. It's fine. We're only putting one out this week, so we can we can go down. Um, it's very very no, noteworthy there. Uh, also, the Crossroads line, which came right yeah. before it. Go down to the Crossroads, try to flag a ride, and that's the place where Faith, Hope, and Charity died. Clear reference to Robert Johnson's famous Crossroads yeah, and blues. The, the myth of the Crossroads. Exactly, is, uh, where Johnson would have gone down to the Crossroads to sell his soul to the devil. To become the best blues for, musician of all time. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Eric Clapton ended up making the same deal a few years later. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he got sloppy seconds at the crossroads. <laughs> the devil was just like, "Ugh, okay, yeah, yeah, you get some." Uh, uh, try to flag a ride. Direct quote from that line. Um, also, faith, hope, and charity. An interesting sort of. There's there's also an element of three like. I know we've, this is sort of a fucking meme on the show at this threes. point. Threes, not, to, just wait, we're going to get there. Threes, triptychs, trinities, faith, hope, and charity. Right. Just keep, Trinity. just keep that in mind. Three. Um, see if you can shoot the invisible man. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, uncle Sam. Goodbye, Charlie. 1964 comedy about a womanizer who gets his comeuppance. Who else was a womanizer who got a comeuppance of sort? Can't think of one. John F. Kennedy. Uh, goodbye, <laughs> <Yeah>. Uncle Sam. <laughs> All right, we don't even need to read it. Yeah, I think one. we got that one. Frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Where's that from? Gone with the Wind. Where's that set? The South. The South during the Civil War. That's right. Race. Just <laughs> okay. We're laying yeah. we're laying it out here. I I feel like Weberman right now. I feel yeah, you like you are Weberman. doing Weberman shit right just now. Just wait. Just I like, promise. Yeah, I, promise I mean, I think in a there. song about America, that there's going to be some uh, allusions to things that have that's to do with the whole race. song. It's the whole. I we'll well, get that. Well, yeah, we'll get what? there by the end. We'll get there by the end. All right. Uh, well. What is the truth? Where did it go? Ask Oswald and Ruby. They ought to know. Shut your mouth, said the wise old owl. Business is business, and, mur- and it's murder most foul. That's right. The wise old owl should be noted as a classic nursery rhyme from the 19th century. Uh, and business is business. It's another kind of crucial line in the song. I yeah. think um, business is business is uh, one of, like, if you, it, it's it's maybe the, the one I think of most um, as, you know, these points where it, it's the thing that predicates 
And it's murder must and it's foul. Murder must foul. Exactly. It's business is business. Might and, as well uh, be the fucking motto of the country. It's yeah. it is in God we trust, but it might as well be business. It's is really business. business is business. <laughs> exactly. It is what it is. Like in uh, the. Uh, in the, the Irishman. Irishman and in this song, <laughs> uh, the Irishman is really the movie equivalent of this in a lot yeah, of ways. It really is, yeah. Also, a movie about race. It's about the Irish and how they're persecuted. That's right. Very well said. <laughs> I just completely agree with you. <laughs> As an Irishman <laughs> myself, Tommy, can you hear me on the Ashen Queen? I'm riding in a long black Lincoln limousine. Riding in the back seat next to my wife Heading straight on into the afterlife I'm leaning to the left I got my head in a lap Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap Well, we ask no quarter No quarter do we give We're right down the street from the street where you live They mutilated his body and they took out his brain What more could they do? They piled on the pain But his soul was not there Where it was supposed to be at For the last 50 years They've been searching for that Freedom, oh freedom, freedom of our to tell you, mister, but only dead men are free. Send me some love and tell me no lie. Throw the gun in the gutter and walk on by. Wake up, little Susie, let's go for a drive. Cross the Trinity River, let's keep over life. Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the Acid Queen. Uh, we're referencing The Who. Uh, songs from Tommy. Uh, Tommy and Acid Queen. Uh, riding in a long black Lincoln limousine. 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 Riding in the backseat. Okay, so well, now we're officially in We're JFK's. in JFK's head. We're there. He's fucking completely uh, blown apart. His vanquished head. head. Yeah. yeah. Riding uh, in the back seat next to my wife, heading straight, straight in, on, on in, straight on into the afterlife. To the afterlife. Lincoln Limousine, song by Jerry Lee Lewis about the Kennedy assassination from 1969. Did you know that this exists? What? Billy shot him in the back seat of a Lincoln Limousine. Was a great, great leader by the name of Kennedy. He fought for right and freedom, tried to keep this nation clean. But they shot him in the backseat of the Lincoln. Jerry Lee Lewis wrote a song and sang a song, Lincoln Limousine, in 1969 about the Kennedy assassination. Jesus Christ. And this is a direct quote from it. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, we know Bob is a fan of considering his uh, touching tribute to him on stage just a couple weeks ago. Um, heading straight on into the afterlife, leaning to the left. I've got my head in her lap. If you've seen the Zapruder film, you're well aware that that is literally what is happening. 
Oh, uh, Lord, I've been led into some kind, some of, kind a of a trap. We ask no quarter, no quarter do we give. We're right down the street from the street where you live. On the street where you live. The street where you live. Um, these these couple lines I think are really key too. Oh, Lord. I love that one. The uh, we're right down. You know, the street where you live is all about the specialness and romance of this street, and uh, we're right on, on the other street. Well, exactly. That's we're not exactly on it. the street where anything beautiful it could happen. We're on the other street. Looking at the way that he writes about these songs and the philosophy of modern song, pulling out all of these just you know unimaginably <laughs> rich and vivid kind of threads uh, uh, that these songs could be about, could be coming from, and yet they're completely not evident to you whatsoever you know when you i am the listener to the song initially this is a perfect example of that when you listen to that song you're on this you know you, the street where you live this is a love song this guy's just hunting for his sweetie baby in her apartment you know uh down the back streets well we're right down the street from where you live we this part we is maybe back to the point of view of the actual assassins exactly that is exactly we, right. we ask no quarter you know if it's about the the mafia if That's, that is something it's like we ask no quarter it's like you know, we don't give a shit about what happens to us we're brave we don't, like that's sort of the ethos of the mafia code it's just sort of like we don't you know, we do what we do and we don't fucking care about you because we have made this our life. Yeah, I would say we it's actually a little more literal the street where you live. We are right down the street from you in Washington, D.C. You, John F. Kennedy, live in Washington, D.C. in the White <laughs> yeah, House. Sure. That too. We, the CIA, are headquartered in fucking Langley, Virginia, right down the street. Yeah, from- the CIA, the mafia, whatever the killers are um, being brutal and completely merciless the next lines yeah that they, they mutilated his body and they took out his brain what more could they do they piled on the pain piled on the pain but his soul was not there where it was supposed to be at for the last 50 years they've been searching for that that's an interesting line because you know it's like they're trying to kill not just his body but they're really trying to murder his soul we can literally open up his head and look at his brain and the soul's not there. So we'll just have to keep trying to kill that soul and find it somewhere else. Yeah. Those, those, I think the, the mutilated his soul or mutilated his body mutilated. Yeah. His soul was not there where it was supposed to be at last 50 years. They've been searching for that. I think that is really key. And that's sort of, if there is a silver lining in this song, which we've established so far is a song that is about fucking just misery and death and doom this is it. This is the silver lining here because yeah. his soul was not there where it was supposed to be for the last 50 years. They've been searching for that after they They're mutilated his body it, and yeah. took out his brain. So, you know, beyond assassinating this literal human being, they're also looking for his soul. They're looking to just erase him from the history books as if he never existed. And yet the very opposite has happened. The Kennedy assassination is one of the greatest shibboleths in the entire fucking American canon at this point. And so it's certainly not a good thing that happened, but if there is any sort of, you know, glint of a positive legacy of all of this, it's the fact that this has taken uh, such a, uh, such root in the the general kind of psyche and public. And, and he will live on forever regardless of what he was actually. The thing here about his soul not being there, the thing that was the reason people cared and looked up to him, those that 
is not something that you can kill. Like that sense of hope is not really ever going to be tied to this one person. Mm-hmm. I think that what the song ends up pointing to ultimately is that that soul is somewhere else. Um, it exists in songs. It exists in music and in things that continue to inspire something like that feeling of hope that mm-hmm. JFK was such a prominent symbol of. A symbol of, yeah. That's exactly, yes. Bingo, um, 100%. Freedom of freedom, freedom over me. This is a line when his reading of it just is really um, powerful. I mean, no more to say about that. This actually, first two lines of Oh Freedom, a post-bellum <laughs> freedom song uh, relating the experience of uh, freedmen in the South uh, following the Civil War. And was later popularized by Odetta, who also herself yeah. put out a whole covers record of Bob covers. Dylan. Exactly. And who Bob himself mentioned in 1978, interview with Playboy, he said, first thing that turned me on to folk singing was Odetta. I heard a mm-hmm. record of hers, Odetta Sings Ballads and Blues, in a record store back when you could listen to records right there in the store. Right then and there, I went out and traded my electric guitar and amplifier for an acoustic, he says, acoustical mm-hmm. guitar, a flat top Gibson, that album was just something vital and personal. So Bob paying it forward to one of his foundational influences here. And once again, we're back to race. Curious. Sure. Kennedy, freedom of freedom, freedom over me. He's, he's a white, he's a, he's a Catholic. That's, you know, Lord knows they're the second most. I don't know uh, where you're going with this, but I mean, just, yeah, I think it's a part of it, but I don't know what your like big doozy about it being about race overall just, will be. Just, just you wait. Okay. Well, I'm prepared to not buy it, but that's fair. Uh, I hate to tell you, mister, but only dead men are free. Send me some loving. Tell me no lie. Throw the gun in the gutter and walk on by. Um, throw the gun in the gutter and walk on by. Very Irishman vibes. You mm-hmm. know, just sort of like the the mercenary. Uh, yeah, transactional. This These are ostensibly the actions of the quote unquote yeah. invisible man who we weren't able to shoot earlier. Uh, also, send me some loving. Little Richard. Send me some loving. Uh, and we riff off a couple more song references here. Wake up, little Susie, let's go for a drive. Everly Brothers, wake up, little Susie. Uh, later referenced by one Warren Zevon, who we'll come to in a little bit. Uh, cross the Trinity River, let's keep hope alive. Trinity again. Trinity again. And Trinity River is literally the river that runs through Dallas. Uh, and you would have crossed it on the way to the hospital, uh, according uh, to the song, at least. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Parkland Hospital. Parkland Hospital, exactly. Well, so we'll get there uh, right now. Actually, turn the radio on. Don't touch the dials. Maybe JFK is asking to flip the radio on. Let's get to Wolfman Jack. Don't don't fuck with it. Um, could also reference, obviously, everyone cluing into the radio and saying this guy was just fucking shot. Don't don't switch it. Parkland Hospital is only six more miles. This is where JFK was taken, pronounced dead. Also, where our friends Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby. And I think Abraham Zapruder, whoever that was, all three of them either died or were pronounced dead at Parkland Hospital. Literally like the fucking hell mouth. Turn the radio on, don't touch the dials. Parkland Hospital, only six more miles. You got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. You fill me with lead. That magic bullet of yours has gone on my head. I'm just a patsy like Patsy Klein. 
Never shot anyone from in front or behind I'd blood in my eye, got blood in my ear I'm never gonna make it to the new frontier Superest film I've seen like before Seen it 33 times, maybe more It's vile and deceitful, it's cruel and it's mean Ugliest thing that you ever have seen They killed him once and they killed him twice Killed him like a human sacrifice The day that they killed him, someone said to me, son The age of the Antichrist has just only begun Air Force One coming in through the gates Johnson sworn in at 2.38 Let me know when you decide to throw in the towel It is what it is And it's murder most foul You got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. You filled me with lead. That magic bullet of yours has gone to my head. You That's right. My head. I'm, I'm just going to assume those other parts are also from songs. I'm just a Patsy like Patsy Klein. I've never shot anyone in from in front or behind. Got blood in my eyes. <laughs> blood in my ear. Blood in my mm-hmm. eyes for you. Yep. I'm never going to make it to the new frontier. I think this section is also kind of key because it marks a shift where we are really focusing in on this sort of delirious, half-alive dream state of whatever is left of Kennedy's brain as he's being chauffeured along to the hospital. It, it has the feeling of a fitful nap where you are sort of half-conscious and you're hearing snatches of conversation and snatches of song. Uh, you can't really tell what's actually being said around you or what's just floating up from somewhere in your mind. By having him sort of speaking from the perspective of JFK and then not, it kind of implies this really just truly heady and psychedelic idea of like at the moment of death, the soul can be in many places at once, can see things in the future, in the past, can be the killer, the person who actually killed you, can be every song you've ever heard, can be the moment when all these songs were recorded and the electricity going through the radio to bring them back into what's left of your dying consciousness. It, uh, I think he's inside, uh, he's inside Kennedy's head here. He's also inside, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's head at the same time. I'm just a Patsy. That's literally an Oswald quote like Patsy Cline. I never shot anyone from in front or behind. Ah, uh, yeah, so suddenly we're back. Yeah, we're exactly like he's just we're like going just from one line to the other from the man who's dying 
and to the, the man, man who, who supposedly have... shot him exactly and probably did he's he, there's so much more than just bob inhabiting fucking kennedy's own perspective yeah, it, he the, is the song all the would way be trite if it was just that like it wouldn't it's just like i'm riding in my lincoln limousine that's just one he references that other song that i guess is probably just sort of like that it's like oh Jer- i'm, Ke- Jerry I'm john f kennedy i'm i'm gonna die but this song is way more complicated. Um, go on. Yeah. Um, Patsy Cline, one of the great artists. I got singer. blood in my eyes, got blood and in my exactly. ear. Exactly, blood in my eyes. We know where that's blood from. Blood in my eyes for you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then bl- got blood in my ear. Blood in my right ear. Back to like, uh, oh, you're not just talking about a song. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing about the way that this song elucidates the events is that you know the grainy and um very you know incredibly brief footage and images that we all know of the Zapruder film um they only allow so much in terms of like what you can it's all so much is left to the imagination especially early on when you know there was no enhanced versions of anything it's very grainy and and damaged footage whatever yeah it would almost be better and more honest if it didn't exist. Like Zapruder's film does not elucidate things. It, it, if anything, it, it obfuscates them further. But this song actually just like puts you right, you know, millimeters away from the actual ear, the actually you know, the blood, like that line got blood in my ear. That's not a song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> blood in my eyes. Yes. Blood in my ear. Almost the same thing, but very, very different. Actually. You think of it again, it's like, okay, well, how many of these also, you know, they're, they're a song and they're not. They're the truth and they're not. Now I'm um, thinking of uh, just like a song that goes, got blood in my ear, blood in my blood ears in my ear for, you. for you, baby. <laughs> I'm uh, never going to make it to the new frontier. And the new frontier is is a direct reference to a JFK speech, the new frontier speech. Where else have we heard new frontier before on, on the Jokerman program, the Jokerman podcast? No? I don't know. One of our friends, the Nightfly, perhaps one of the disc jockeys. Not a direct Donald Fagan reference, but you know. Well, IGY about is actually a song that's more about that idea. Well, yeah, IGY um, is right. is one of the, the entire fucking new. Uh, excuse me, Nightfly record is told from the perspective of one of the children who is told to hush and that the Beatles are coming. Like that is the, Bob and Don are occupying the same exact headspace here, yeah. but. Fagan is doing it in 1982 and Bob is doing it in 2020. Maybe being too young to really understand and just catching on to this, uh, you know, maybe still holding on to some feeling like something good might happen yet. You know, I, I yeah, I know that bad thing happened, but uh, everything's so positive these right. days. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's starting to see the bad vibes coming, but Bob has 40 additional years on him of uh, additional evidence. Um, Zapruder's film. I've seen that before. Seen it 33 times, maybe more. Is there any significance to 33? There is, actually. We're back to the wow, threes. Gee. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, we've been the threes. Jesus Christ, represented as, who knows, you know, fucking, uh, didn't have death certificates back then. Broadly known as having died at the age of 33. Why 33, if not... 30, it's an arbitrary number. Yeah, interesting. There's, there's something. There's other fucking things too. Look it up on Wikipedia, but that's the big one. Sure. It's vile and deceitful. It's cruel and it's a mean, ugliest thing that you ever have seen. They killed him once. They killed him twice. 
killed him like a human sacrifice. That's right. And this is what I was just saying a moment ago is that, you know, the film, you know, the existence of the film, like it, there is this object of, you know, this recording of this fucking thing that took place. Right. And so you want to just pour over it. And you were saying that you were watching like the HD restoration version of it or something earlier. And like you, you think that if you just make it clear enough, if you just look, watch it enough times, if you just slow it down frame by frame clearly enough, you're going to get the answers. And they aren't there. It just it, it's not there. It's this it's this like red herring, great what's it fucking um, tantalizing just out of reach kind of thing that like it it only serves to further turn this into a mystery because it becomes this ob- the, the film itself becomes the object of this entire uh analysis instead of the the greater event the film like like these songs you know that how many songs are in this song i don't know if there's a lot a hundred a fucking lot and there there may as well be as many songs in this one song as there are frames in the zapruder film each one gives you a little bit of something but it never is going to add up to understanding anything really about what this was it can only give you something to think about but i think there's something about what we're about to get into which is really the the heart of the song thesis statement is is this um, losing my edge section (laughs) i was there yeah. I was there. <laughs> I the was Sonics. There when, I was there when Bobby Kennedy was shot. I was there when JFK was shot. I was there with the first suicide practices of yeah. in a loft in New York City. Alan Dulles was there fucking beaten off onto a skeleton. Um they killed him once, they killed him twice. Killed him like a human sacrifice. The day that they killed him, someone, someone said it. to me, son, this is it. the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. That's it. That's it. That is the whole thing right there. Son, Who do you think the, said that? That And that's it, right? Look at the fucking pronouns in that. The day that they killed him, someone said to me, yeah, son. This is the one part where I feel like it's actually Bob what? Dylan talking about himself. What the fuck is going on there? To me, this is one of the only lines where I thought, oh, without even thinking about it, I was just like, oh, this is Bob Dylan talking about being in New York City while this happened, probably. And somebody in a fucking coffee shop in Greenwich Village, uh, like Dave Van Ronk or Van someone Ronk. Right. Yeah, say, exactly. saying to him, you know, with some kind of a mysterious and gruff manner, like, uh, this is it's all bad now. This, this is, is it. This is, we're the, we're really in it now. Or the the Antichrist is coming, or some weird street performer, like some moon dog type character. But I I definitely through this point, like this one part, I was like, that's Bob Dylan talking about his own experience. Yeah, and I think that is really like that is the that is like the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. Whether it is the result of the Kennedy assassination having taken place or whether the Kennedy assassination having taken place is just the first sort of signal of yes, the age of the yeah, Antichrist beginning. Right. Like the causal relationship is unclear, but it there it's is a, a relationship point. there one way or the other. That's a really good point is that you, you the mystery is, uh, you know, it, it should never be assumed that like, well, he, he got shot and then everything was, and then it 
it opened a portal to hell. It's more like yeah, it's a chicken. Maybe this is just the first time you're seeing some. You know, I it's mean, coming exactly for the first time. It's coming to the surface, and it's also really, but I, it's not to be taken literally because it's just someone said to me. It doesn't mean it's true. It's just what it just elucidates something about the effect that it had and more than anything. The one thing we can be sure of with this line is that that's an, that's a thought that crossed people's minds is right. The something is hellish. Something horrible is going on. Right. Um, but just the multidimensionality, I think that this line underscores because we've been in the eye view for this song at so many different points so far, but it's clearly from Kennedy's perspective in this one. We know just based on the fucking grammar alone, the ironclad laws of words, it's not Kennedy. It feels first person from from Bob Dylan. Or, exactly, yeah. Uh, this part, Air Force One coming in through the gate, just that moment is so vividly cinematic to me. Like, I just... And, and the music helps it along because, I mean, the it isn't... Um, who's on the piano? It's... Uh, Alan Pasqua and Fiona Apple, I think. Fiona Apple. I think that there's moments where you can hear Fiona. I mean, Fiona Apple, whatever she's bringing to it, like it, it works and it comes through because the, the song musically is just like incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. It's fucking incredible. And this particular moment, Air Force One coming in through the gate, Johnson sworn in at 238, like the specificity of that. It, it's so vivid. You imagine that moment in those pictures too, which it, it probably helps and is the reason why it's so clear to me in my mind. Cause there are photos of that time, you know, mm -hmm. of Johnson being sworn in and everything. Yeah. Very, very famous photos of Johnson there on air Force or air force one, Jackie O like next to him, just looking like fucking death incarnate. And, and he's got his hand on the Bible and stuff. It is a really kind of flashbulb, like, this is the movie. Like you see this scene in the movie that this song is. Um, Let me know when you decide to throw in the towel. Who is fucking saying it Let is what me it know is. when you decide to throw in the towel. Like I just like who is speaking these lines and there is no right answer. Like as far as I'm, you know, Bob, yeah, who, who knows, fucking, who knows, but it's just like so many different kind of uh, uh, speeches and, and lines from different perspectives. Just it is, it is endlessly fascinating. It is what it is. That's right. It's what the it Irishman. is. Yeah. I love how Joe Pesci says, it's what it is. In it's the what it is. Oh, he it does. Says, it's. Mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it it's always kind of stuck in my it's brain. What's the new pussycat? What do I say? I said the soul of a nation will turn away. And it's beginning to go into a slow decay. And it's 36 hours past Judgment Day Wolfman Jack He's speaking in tongues He's going on and on, on At the top of his lungs Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack Play it for me in my long Cadillac Maybe that only the good die young. Take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung. They say James Infirmary in the court of King James. If you want to remember, you better write down the names. 
Sarah James too. Play I'd rather go blind. Play for the man with a telepathic mind. Play John Lee Hooker, play scratch my back. Play for that strip club owner named Jack. Guitar slim going down slow. Play it for me and for Marilyn Monroe. What's new, Pussycat? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? I said the soul of a nation has been torn away. So again, we get what's new pussycat. And then we get like one of the most devastating lines in the whole song. It's, and be- it's beginning to it's go, beginning into, to go into a slow decay, decay. And it's 36 hours past judgment day. Whether or not this is about, you know, the, the age of the antichrist, you know, you could, we could talk about that and, you know, think about it. But this thing about the slow decay that's not even subjective as much. That starts, right. That's more the truth. It's following up clearly on that line and, and just reinforcing, putting it in fucking highlighter, yeah, what does underline, it mean? bold, italic. The soul of the nation has been torn away. You know, whether or not you believe in the liturgically, what the, you know, as like a religious idea, it's beginning to go in a, into a slow decay. That's the real secular version. It's like increasingly more secular. Age of the Antichrist. Oh, I mean, the soul of the nation has been torn away. Oh, I mean, our nation is going into a slow decay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do yeah. I make this clear to you? That something has happened that has corrupted our sense of hope and possibility. And we're no going now back. living... It's 36 hours past Judgment Day. Past like, Judgment Day. It's exactly. already happened. It's in the past. There's no, exactly. You, the bad you know. guys won, you know. That's right. We're living and everybody knows the good guys lost. Forget yeah. it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Um, exactly. 36 hours past Judgment Day. Also, like the JFK's funeral like lasted like three days or something. <laughs> um, and I yeah, think this sure. is literally at this point, if there is a literal kind of like, uh, you know, place that he's occupying, like he's at this moment, he's lying in state because that's what happened yeah. immediately following his uh, his assassination. Um, and here we go. This here is we where go. it really starts to pop off. Wolfman Jack, he's speaking in tongues. He's going on and on at the top of his lungs. Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack. Play for me in my long Cadillac. XCRB rules up. 9.30 in Los Angeles. This is 50,000 Watt Clear Channel XCRB. Radio North America, Central Studios, Los Angeles. 10.90 on your dial. Wolfman Jackie speaking in tongues. I mean, if your dying brain was hearing a radio, it might be, you know, Wolfman Jack might as well just kind of be like speaking gibberish. It's kind of this like hallucinatory incantation and you're, he's just going on and on like he does. This is where the song really just kind of 
I mean, it stops being one song. It starts being every song. Yeah. This is kind of the sutra point. Like I, I feel like if there are, you know, I, there, Raymond Chandler uh, was famous for writing multiple short stories and then sort of just grafting them onto one another. Like the big sleep is a very famous example. Cause there's a clear point where the first part of that book ends and the second part begins. And it's really just two stories that he sutured together right. in the middle I don't know that Bob necessarily wrote this song that way, but if there is a point where we transition from the first part of this song, where we're second talking about the assassination, exactly, into the second, this is it. Uh, and it's it's the first time that we've heard of Wolfman Jack since that first fucking Wolfman, Wolfman, Wolfman O'Howell at the very beginning. Um, play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack, and that's what we're going to be doing from here on out, folks. Uh, play it for me in my long Cadillac. JFK was transported uh, from Parkland Hospital to Air Force One in a 1964 Cadillac hearse. Big, long, white caddy. It's a beautiful car. Big car. Uh, play, play me that. Only the good die young. Good die young. There you go. You know that only the good die young. Oh, baby. Billy Joel. William Joel. The patron saint Joel, of yeah, Long Island. Here. here he is again. That's the first song that we get after this uh, into this part is uh, only the good time. Yeah. It all comes back around to Billy Joel at the end of the day. Take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung. That's right. Tom Dooley song uh, by the Kingston Trio from 1958. It's a traditional folk song about the murder of Laura Foster, allegedly by one Tom Dooley, uh, whose guilt was debated after his death. Interestingly, Tom Dooley. Former Confederate soldier. Just going to let that sit there. Uh, play play St. James, James, James Infirmary. Infirmary. Early jazz number, Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong, that's right. Uh, lines, folks, I'm going down to St. James Infirmary. See my baby there. She's stretched out on a long white table. She's so sweet, so cold, so fair. Pretty clear what we're up in there. In the there. court of King James. Court of King James. You got anything there? King James Bible. Uh, King James Bible, definitely. We'll uh, just uh, just put a pin in that. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, if you want to remember, better write down the names. That's I think he's literally. <laughs> I think he's literally saying, like, if you, the listener, want to remember all of these songs, you better write down the names of all of these songs because you're not. I'm I'm about to riff off fucking a hundred of them right in a row. So. <laughs> play out of James too. Play I'd rather go blind. Rather go blind. Ed play James, it for the man. With the, okay, play it for the man with the telepathic mind. Here we are again. We're back to the carnival. Here we're back to the fucking supernatural. The performer. This is not a song lyric as far as I know. It's not a reference no. to any sort of person as far as I know. It's just I an idea. This, this lines up exactly with this greatest magic trick under the sun, the carnies, the fucking bearded woman, the well, smallest man on the, earth. He doesn't mention those. <laughs> he doesn't. But Wait I think for that, the smallest man on earth. I think it's all, I think it's all in there. That's right. Um, play John Lee Hooker, play Scratch My Back. All right, can we just kind of move through some of these because we're going to be here all night? Sure. Well, Don, John Lee Hooker's Delta Bluesman. Play it for that strip club owner named Jack. Jack Ruby. Yeah. We're back to Jack Ruby, uh, owner of the Carousel Club, uh, a strip club in Deep Ellum. Um, and very oddly kind of wrapped up in this whole thing. There is no re- like, there is no reason that Jack Ruby assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald. Like, there's no... Officially, he yeah. He didn't know the guy. He didn't... A woman dead. He didn't have any bad. He didn't love Kennedy. He wasn't really pissed at him. There's no reason. Uh, Ruby died in prison awaiting trial, uh, claiming that he had been framed uh, of, quote unquote, cancer. 
uh, right. in like 1968 or something. One of the early appearances of the CIA cancer gun. Yeah, uh, that, that is also how um, Jeffrey Epstein passed away. Yeah, exactly. He died of cancer very suddenly. Uh, cancer of the, the hyloid bone. Yeah, cancer of the being fucking, having your head. Uh, <laughs> Guitar slim going down slow. Uh, play it for, play me it for me from Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Well, you know, play it for that strip club owner named Jack. It's like, hey, throw him a song, too. He did try to... He liked me enough to kill the guy who he thought killed me. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I think I think all of these people, Monroe, JFK, Ruby, Oswald, like, all of them are... are like, the, this event is inexpl- inextricably tied to their doom, right? So this is the death of Kennedy. It's going yes. to spell the death of both Oswald and Ruby, Monroe it's everything. Is already it's dead all at this point. Of, yeah. Exactly. It's it's like a it's the it is the the black hole that that uh, sucks all of these people in. Black hole is something that I have thought about um, with the song a black hole. Uh, I'll tell you about that later. Play, please don't let me be misunderstood. Play it for the first lady. She ain't feeling too good. Lay down, Henley. Play again, fry. Take it to the limit and let it go by. Play it for Kyle Wilson, too. Looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. Play tragedy, play twilight time. Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime. Play another one and another one bites the dust. Play the old rugged cross and in God we trust. Ride the pink horse down that long, lonesome road Stand there and wait for us till explode Play mystery train for Mr. Mystery The man who fell down dead like a rootless tree Play it for the reverend, play it for the pastor Play it for the dog that got no master Play Oscar Peterson, play Stan Gatz, play Blue Sky, play Dickie Betts. Play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, and all that junk. All that junk and all of that jazz. Play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Please don't let me be misunderstood. Play it for the first lady. It's like all the dirty laundry and loose ends of the, his fucking marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm dying and I'm next to you and you know that I'm a womanizer. Please don't let me be misunderstood. What What if I died? Like what? Especially if there was something hanging in the air that was, you know, difficult. You would hope not to be, you know, it, I think that there, that's a very romantic reading of the relationship between John Kennedy and Jackie Onassis. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean that he's not. I mean, it's it's the wanting to not be, you know, it's this kind of hoping that you that she won't, you know, it, it doesn't mean that everything is uh, peachy. In fact, it it implies, I think, a little bit of 
as much as the song ever does, something of his uh, infidelities. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think typically uh, any sort of relationship between a president and their spouse is uh, somewhat transactional. Uh, And this one is maybe the most transactional because uh, Kennedy was well known even in his living days as just a guy who would fuck anything that moved. Yeah. She ain't feeling that good is also such a like dismissive. uh, It's like, ah, do something for her, too. Yeah. Play give Don her, give, Henley. Give her some Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> play Don uh, yeah. Henley. These, okay, so these lines, some of my favorite. Play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry. take it to the limit, let it go by, and play it for Carl Wilson, uh, too. This, yeah. Looking, Looking far, 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 far away, away down, down Gower, Gower Avenue. Avenue. I'll let you fill the good folks in on where that line comes well, from. Well, uh, it's from Desperados Under the Eaves by Warren Zevon. That's right. musicians and i love that uh, that song um it's just like you don't expect it these these moments where i can only imagine you know what this song really is like to somebody who grew up with all of these songs to someone of the baby boomer generation it's a song that as much as we get stuff out of it it's really richer in ways we'll never feel right because we're looking at this with hindsight but yeah where we have to look up these songs sometimes and think about oh this and that but like if you were just clued into music and you were living your life and you were born in 1947 or whatever these songs are something that you just you know you know them and they're more a part of your bones and part of your life and that is something that uh we have to remember Dylan is coming at the song with these are songs that he knows like the back of his hand and they're random. They feel random, but that's it, just in the way that when you sometimes will just walking down the street and you'll remember some song from your, when you were a kid. No, I mean, I think that they are definitely, they are significant songs to, to him. Um, songs that he admires, I would imagine, because I mean, and, and here's where the book comes back into it, right? Like, who did he write about in the book? He wrote about Warren Zevon and he wrote about the Eagles, witchy woman. Um, and so these Don Henley, Glenn Fry, Warren Zevon references here, he didn't do a Beach Boys right, but you know, I think he, he, he very well could have, um, or a Brian uh, a chapter. Uh, these are all, these are part of his, just part of who he yes. is, part of his common sort of uh, understanding of, of the musical tradition. Common um, being the term, because I think that... I don't expect all of these to be songs that mean a whole great, a great deal to Bob Dylan. I think that a lot of them are songs that are just part of your experience songs that kind of just you, you know, in this moment, if this song is this kind of last gasp, you'll probably encounter things like that. You don't even know you had a a connection with, but they're just going to come up like in a dream. Like you'll, you know, you're like, why was that person there? And I think a lot of these songs kind of figure in that way. They just kind of come up. And right. perhaps when Dylan was writing the song, it was just kind of like one song kind of leading to thinking about another song. And it would just play that, play that. You know, songs that you don't necessarily care about in your life, through your life, they are 
songs you would never listen to on purpose. I don't know. I, I think a lot of these, I think these songs are, are significant to him. Because, uh, like, look at like the Eagles versus Yvonne here, right? Uh, and they're both referenced one after the other. And Zevon, not even by name. Zevon is is like an orders of magnitude less well known than than fucking the Eagles. Uh, and take to the limit in particular uh, versus Desperados under the eaves. Like I think there's a like I I really do think that he's he. There's a reason that each and every one of these is in here. And it should be noted that we're technically from we're we're thinking we're seeing through the eyes of. John F. Kennedy, who is dead in 1963, and none of these songs have been released uh, at this moment in See, time. See, that's why I don't even know if we're thinking if if it's from his perspective. The perspective. Well, if we're taking down. right, I mean, if we're taking Greel's interpretation for for uh, you know some sort of you know factual basis, let's here. not take anything factual. Well, let's not exactly, but I mean that is the easiest kind of uh, most straightforward reading here, and that itself really just throws you for throws you through for a loop here because like all of a sudden we're we're in 1963 and now we're in 1976 and and 1970 it's like, I think that something Grill said was, you know, that it it's songs that don't even exist yet. And I think that it's because while I agree with his read that it's it takes place, you know, in part through that lens of JFK as he's dying. I think like we were talking about earlier, a moment like this wears away at, at the fabric of, of time. To me, it's it's a spiritual idea that is being kind of related through that because if that song doesn't exist yet, it's why would he say play this? It's like, I want this thing to, I want something like that to exist. Like, you know, that's part of it, right? Is like these songs, these songs in particular, he's not saying play them. He's saying play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry, take it to the limit. That is a song, but he isn't saying play it and let it go by. Play it for Carl Wilson too. looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. We don't have any mention of Warren Zevon whatsoever. None of these songs are referenced by name, like play this specific song. And yet all of these people, I th- obviously were born by, by this point. And so I think that is really like if we if we go back to the what the points that I was saying are sort of like the thesis statement of this whole song, the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. Like play these songs for them because this is not only a tragedy for me, John F. Kennedy. This is not only a tragedy for right. him or me, Bob Dylan. This is also a tragedy for Don Henley and Glenn Fry and Carl Wilson and Warren Zevon and every fucking other person that was alive at this moment in time and every yeah. other person that would live thereafter. Right. Um, well, my I've, my read on it is. Something similar. I I mean, I think we can, from this point on, I think we can actually just read this through and finish. All right, and we got to we got to get you to dinner. Uh, there's a couple others that that I do want to note, but we'll we'll keep it going uh, for the most part. Play tragedy. Play twilight time. I'm gonna stop us again pretty quickly, but we can move along shortly thereafter. Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime. Yes, the Tulsa race massacre. Exactly of 1921. Take Me Back to Tulsa is a song by Bob Wills from 1941. Had nothing to do with the... JFK. <laughs> had nothing to do with JFK. Had also had nothing to do with the, the Tulsa Massacre, uh, the mm-hmm. attack on Black Wall Street. Uh, had, you know, song lyrics about a fucking girl with a red dress in Louisiana and stuff. To the scene of the crime, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, what Grill Marcus, I don't know if what your point is is going to be related to that, but what he brought up... You know, was that the idea that this song is a 
mutation or an evolution of the idea that Dylan apparently had to write a song about Emmett Till's murder. Mm-hmm. I th- that's def- that's not what I'm arguing in particular, but that is part of what has opened my third eye to this whole okay. thing. Okay, well, let's get it. to the end so I can finally hear what you have to say about this. Cause well, even- we'll get there momentarily. Uh, play another one, and another one bites the dust. Queen, uh, the old rugged cross, and in God we trust. There's God. Uh, and interestingly, should be noted, his <laughs> lyric it online, it's G-D. D. Yeah. Which is a, that's the thing in, in, uh, Judaism, right? You can't write G-O-D on, like you gotta write. I think it's just Judaism. Is it not? Okay. But it's okay. So that's something. Uh, it's fine. I it is Judaism. I think it is. Like you can't write Yahweh or something. Um, ride the pink horse down that long lonesome road. Ride the pink horse is a movie. Uh, stand there and wait for his head to explode. Again, back, back <laughs> at that. It's pretty good. Just like suddenly back at seeing that frame from the Zapruder film. Uh, more. Play, play Mystery, Mystery Train, Train from Mr. Mr. Mystery. Mystery Train, performed by Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash in the studio together on bootleg 15, as we just talked about with Jenny. Uh, the Man Who Fell Down Dead Like a Rootless Tree. I don't have anything there. Not a song. Play it for the reverend, play it for the pastor. Okay, this this next line is this, one that is key to my understanding of the song anyway. That line or the dog line? No, the next line. The next line, yeah, okay. Well, play so it real for quickly, the dog that's got no master. The dog that's got no master, I'll, I'll let you take it there. But the reverend and the pastor, I think this again is key. The most, for me at least, when I hear reverend and just that word in, you know, outside of context, that is, that's Martin Luther King to me. Reverend Mm. Martin Luther King Jr. Pastor, I don't, I don't have a specific kind of personal reference to that the way that I do Reverend Martin Luther King. And maybe this is me just, you know, completely down the Weberman hole at this point. But this to me seems like a rhyme with blackface singer, whiteface clown from the beginning of the song. Who knows, but in my fucking rubric of this song, that's where it's at. What do you got for the dog that's got no master? I mean, I, I might want to just save it for the end because it's really more what I think of the song overall. All right. Well, I for me, I think it, this is an RCA reference. The the dog looking at the phonograph with the, the motto, his master's voice. Yeah. I um, mean, yes. He but, literally has no master. He's looking at the fucking record. Play Oscar Peterson and play Stan Getz. Play Blue Sky, play Dickie Betts. Play Art Pepper, play Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, and all that junk. Mm-hmm. All that junk and all that jazz. Play all that for junk. The Birdman is, of Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah. Play Buster Keaton, play Harold Lloyd, movie, uh, slapstick movie stars of the silent era. Play Bugsy Siegel, play Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy Floyd. Yeah, it, interesting. At this point, we're starting to sort of spiral out of control. Uh, whoever's saying this, right? Like, like we're not we're not just playing songs anymore. We were playing Carl Wilson, and we were playing uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry. Like we know that, but at you this can't point, we're tell saying the radio to play a silent movie star. Exactly. <laughs> play fucking Safety Last by Harold Lloyd on the I wanna radio. I want to hear. I want to hear Buster Keaton. You know, like what is the sound of one Buster Keaton? <laughs> doing so whoever, anything whoever this is i think we're starting to show to me at least we're starting to show signs of decay this the, whoever's Actually, asking yeah. for these play you know these re, these requests and stuff is is they're off their gourd things are that's not, one way to view sp- it they're spiraling out of control it's one way to view it 
I have uh, a different, slightly different idea. Well, we'll see how this all resolves at the end. Uh, Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, also jazz greats, right? Art Pepper, Charlie Parker, also horse addicts, heroin addicts, all that junk. Junk. All that junk, horse, all that yeah. jazz, exactly. Uh, play the numbers, play the odds, play I feel like I'm going river. fucking insane now. Jesus. <laughs> all that <laughs> junk, of course. Of <laughs> we're course. Fucking, we're, we're in Weberman mindset right now. It's great. This is, I love it. <laughs> we're seeing the Matrix. If you asked him what he thinks of what this song, he'd probably be like, well, it's about how Bob Dylan has AIDS. You know, <laughs> obviously. He'd probably just leave it at that. Bob Dylan works for the Mossad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> play Crimea River uh, for the Lord of the Gods. Um, play number nine, play number six, play it for Lindsay and Stevie Nicks. Like, I don't even know at this point. Just I, keep going. This could play be Nat a 69 Cole, reference play. for all I fucking know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Play Nat King If Cole. six was nine, Jimi Hendrix. There you go. All right. You got play it. Play down in the boondocks for Terry. Yeah. Okay. Play Nat King Cole, play nature boy, play down in the boondocks for Terry Malloy. You know who Terry Malloy is? I don't. Be one Marlon Brando's character in On the Waterfront. Down in the boondocks. The great, quote-unquote, Elia Kazan. You should have taken care of me just a little bit so I wouldn't have to take them dives for the short-end money. I had some bets down for you. You saw some money. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. Play it happened one night. Play one night of sin. That's right. Uh, one, it happened one night. Frank Capra, screwball comedy starring Cary mm-hmm. Grant, Claudette Colbert. Uh, one night of sin. One Elvis Presley. Um, There's 12 million souls that are listening in. Now this one for me is actually big. Just a random line. It seems 12 million. no song. You almost think right, like six million, right? Um, I, I, that was my initial kind of connotation with what's, it, at least. What's the significance of twelve million to you? Uh, well, you think of six million as obviously, right. you know, you know, the number from the Holocaust. Uh, twelve million souls. Uh, there's a book uh, called Twelve Million Black Voices. It's a photo documentary mm. uh, with words by one Richard Wright, the author of Native Son, which was another one of the, you know, sort of uh, most famous uh, mid-century African-American novels in American literature um, uh, that rhymes, I think. That reference rhymes with the Ralph Ellison reference earlier, the Invisible Man reference here. Twelve million souls that are listening in. Like, that number's too specific here, I think, to not be an oblique reference, at least, to this Twelve Million Black Voices book, which, again... Mm words provided by Richard Wright. So just at certain points throughout this song up until now, we were just, it's just it's like fucking breadcrumbs. We're dropping race, 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 race yeah. all the way through. And I think we're about to, he's about to tie yeah, up. Yeah. He's about end. to do it more. Yeah. With the brother's line. Is that what you're talking? <gasps> no, that's about? not what I'm talking about. <laughs> brothers. It's a little bit after that. <laughs> brothers, I think is a little more literal. Uh, play the merchant of Venice. Everything's about race. I thought. Shakespeare, back to Shakespeare, Shakespeare doing anti-Semitism with the invention of Shylock, Uh, play The Merchants of Death, not a song, not a play, but a reference to the arms dealers and manufacturers in American industry from the early 20th century that made a killing off of World War I, exactly, and that Masters of War is a very clear reference to 30 years later, play Stella by Starlight, 
for Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Who's late? Why, why is Lady Macbeth here? Well, she was the one who sort of, well. Sort <laughs> is of Jackie O Lady the, Macbeth? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jesus. Yeah. Well, so, but here's the thing. I said earlier, I'll come back to it. Play uh, fucking uh, uh, St. James Infirmary in the court of King James. Macbeth was written in the court of King, literally written for King James God. in the early okay, 1600s. Okay, okay. I, I don't know. If I, who knows? Nobody was there. meant to talk the about The connection this is there. We're doing stuff that nobody should, nobody should do what we're doing. We're, we're not coming out of this. With don't worry, Mr. President. Help's on the way. Your brother's coming. There'll be hell to pell. <laughs> literally Robert and dead Kennedy. Yeah. Brothers, what brothers? What's this about hell? This is a weird line. Tell them we're waiting. Keep we'll coming. Get- We'll, we'll get, get him as well. We'll get him as well. What is that about? Robert Kennedy was assass- quote unquote assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan in nineteen sixty eight. Also, the subject what do you mean, of what do you mean assassinate quote assassinated. Well, assassinated. he was uh, according to the book, he was assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan at the Ambassador Hotel on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. But and that did actually happen. He was shot by someone at the Ambassador Hotel. But the the official story behind that is very debated, just as much as the JFK uh, assassination, if not more so, uh, though it's not quite as well known. And Ted Kennedy, obviously responsible for Chappaquiddick, the, uh, uh, him fucking driving a prostitute off a bridge and drowning her in his car. And I'm sorry to be laughing, but this is literally what happened and swimming to the shore and failing Mm -hmm. to call anyone and report anything about that. And then still ended up getting elected to the Senate after that for decades upon decades. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's what they, they were talking about in terms of we'll get them as well. They got, we got we got other plans for them. We're not going to dome them on Elm Elm Street in Dallas, but they'll they'll have their comeuppance coming. Um, but yes, brothers, literally the Kennedy brothers here. Okay, not brothers, not the other one. Uh, Love Field is where his plane touched down. Love Field in Dallas never did get back up off the ground. It not did. with him in it anyway. Not with him in it exactly. Wasn't his plane after that? That's right. Hard act to follow, second to none. We're back to the very beginning. Yeah. Fucking perform performance. Performance, magic, magician, carnival bullshit. They killed him on the altar of the rising sun. Mm. Rising, rising sun. sun. Mm? Japan. House of the rising sun. There is a house down in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And it's been the ruin of many poor girls and me. Oh, God, I'm a one. Yeah. Covered by Bob Dylan on the very first Bob Dylan record ever. Okay, okay. And a okay. song that's set in New Orleans where. The majority of Oliver Stone's JFK takes okay, place. Okay. And Jim Garrison investigates and Guy Bannister Norm. and David Ferry. Uh-huh. I'm going. I'm. I'm. You I'm off are. the map at this point. I'm just speaking to AJ Weberman. That's right. Play Misty for me and the Old Devil Moon. Play Anything Goes and Memphis in June. Play These Lonely are- at the Top and Lonely uh, and Lonely Are the Brave. Play it for Houdini spinning around in his grave. There he's again. again. Magic. Performance. Magic, the invisible man. Where have we heard Memphis in June before? Well, it's not showing any lights tonight. And there's no moon. There's just a hot-blooded singer singing Memphis 
tight connection. They're beating a, the devil out of a guy wearing, wearing a, a powder blue, blue wig. wig. Uh, I love that this reference is here, and it's also in fucking tight connection to my okay, heart. Here we it's come beautiful. in for the for the final section. Let's land it. Play Jelly Roll play Morton. Jelly play, Morton Lucille. play Lucille. It's a Little Richard song. Play Deep in a Dream. And play Drive and Wheel. Mm. Play Moonlight Sonata in F sharp. Moonlight Sonata, not in F sharp. It's in C sharp. This person is continuing to just degenerate. Whoever it is that's riffing off all these songs. And Key to the Highway by the King of the Harp. By Little Walter, Key to the Highway, written about in Philosophy of Modern Song. Play Marching Through Georgia and Dumbarton's Drums. Mm -hmm. Play Darkness and Death. Will come when it comes. Mm -hmm. Shakespeare. Play Love Me or Leave Me by the great Bud Powell. Bud Powell did not play that song, but he did play a song that was based on the same chords. Play the Bloodstained Banner. Play Murder Most Foul. There we have it. What's the Bloodstained Banner? Do we know what the Bloodstained Banner is? Bloodstained Banner is the Confederate flag. It's also a song. It's a hymn uh, written from the late 19th century right there. Um, uh, regarding, you know, kind of marching around and, and, uh, marching through Georgia is also essential. It's also key here. This is a march written by Henry Clay work at the conclusion of the civil war regarding the, the victory of the union army over the Confederacy, literally, uh, uh, general Grant's army marching through Georgia. So we made a thoroughfare for freedom in a train, 60 miles in latitude, 300 to the main treason fled before us for resistance was in vain. While we were marching through Georgia, um, this la- the last line, bloodstained banner, murder most foul. The, the juxtaposition is just too fucking. It's yeah. too clear for me. Sure, murder most foul is taking place when the 1960s. The Civil War took place when the 1860s. 60s, yeah. This is just a. This is a a complete sort of illustration of the the fall from grace of the American nation from middle of the 19th century to the middle of the 20th century due to whatever you can interpret whatever you want to be the cause of that you know there are plenty of competing explanations I certainly have mine but it's not in the song so I'm not going to bother we were this one thing at one point we were this great beautiful nation capable of this incredible literal like like uh, mission from God uh, uh, eradicating slavery from the face of the earth from the face of this country at least uh, and then we became this other thing, and and it is this thing that is 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 deceitful and mean, and and uh, engages in subterfuge and assassinates a living icon and dooms the rest of this generation and this world to a fucking you know eternal purgatory to walk the earth uh, to live in this this uh, uh, mode of, of heathenism and sin and and just endless dissatisfaction, and that is that is the tragedy. Of murder most foul to me. I, I think that you're right. This nation built upon slavery and murder was able for a long time after that to build up to a point where we were literally going to go to the moon. You know, the first step was t- man has invented his doom. First step is touching the moon. <laughs> um, far away from that feeling of guilt from that baggage, that weight of the original sins of this nation. And I think that this song is about how you can't really outrun that. What The only thing you can do is to acknowledge 
that black hole. That's why it ends with those lines with play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul, play these things so that the only way to heal after something traumatic, you know, is to acknowledge what has happened. Mm -hmm. I think that that is kind of what what the song is about. When I going back to that line about play it for the dog that has got no master, Mm. something that struck me about the song and the tragedy of it, the, the thing that make, I think really emotionally um, hits me is the idea of, of the boomers and of us and of the little children who will soon understand, you know, we can't help but be complicit, be the, the continuation and the product of something that was so, uh, so built upon misery and, and inhuman acts. It's not something that we did, but without recognizing it, you know, we, we are that until we acknowledge it deeply. Sure. And yeah. reckon we are with fallen it. from day one. It's literally biblical. We, you know, we are born, it's original sin. Play it for the dog that's got no master. I mean, to me that just, it, the, the thing, the image that the song conjured is, is one of us becoming of this event kind of making orphans of everyone in the country. Everyone in this nation suddenly felt like whether you cared about or even hated John F. Kennedy isn't really important. Right. What What's important is what he represented. Ultimately, he was somebody who people felt something about. If you are on one side of that, you know, you really believed he was the best of us and that he was going to lead us into a brighter day. And on the other side, you at least understood he had power. And what this event did was tear away from everyone the idea that you could be either, you know, the best and be a leader and bring things into a better place. That's gone and also what's gone is just the idea that anybody has power. It's making us stare into, into the face of this awful truth that has always been there. And the dog with no master, it's like suddenly that's all of us. It's like without anything coming out of that phonograph, we're just this dog sitting there. And in this moment, in this vacuum, in this black hole that this event forced everybody to see. The only thing you can do is to turn to these songs, these artists, these little moments in time that have something to do with acknowledging the reality of life. You know, all songs kind of point to some little corner of what it is to be alive. And he plays all around the field with light moments of that. You know, these songs that are funny almost to acknowledge. And then right next to it will be a song that if you listen to it is devastating in its own right. And the way that it ends, you know, by that ending, this is like a song of songs. And the last song it wants you to play, the last song that it asks to be played is, is this song that contains all of that. Yeah, we're literally, we're literally breaking down whoever is requesting you know riffing off song after song after song like now they're requesting the song itself like it, it is it is like it's a loop 
Yeah. It's yeah, it's a it's a Mobius strip. It's moving uh, uh, up a up a fucking level of of dimension or, or realization. Um, you know, play play all of these songs. It uh, all of the the beauty and the the tragedy and the the promise that was there is there in these songs that are being referenced. All of which, basically, all of which came before. November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. It's all in there. But there's all ones of these that songs came after there. too. There's the the thing. Another thing that I was saying earlier is that I think I differed slightly on is you know you you can think of this sort of the increasingly surreal and nonsensical requests to be like uh, uh, about decay and that it's falling apart. But I think that what it also can mean. And the more hopeful version of reading the song is that it's it's like an ecstatic prayer that is it becomes like speaking in tongues. It becomes this kind of completely illogical and wild prayer toward something. He really is speaking in tongues by the end as far as like referencing these things that just have nothing to do with each other. Don't even make sense. It's a way of either decaying or breaking through to something that is pure, that exists now, that exists then, that exists in the future, that will hopefully, out of the, this blackest moment, this darkest depths, give us something to hold on to. It's very helpful reading. I hope, I for, for both of our sakes and for everyone else's sake, I hope you're right. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, we're fucked. <laughs> the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. It's all in there, folks. We're never going to get to the bottom of it. And that's perfectly fine because that is what great art and great music is supposed to be. It's something that you can spend endless amounts of time on trying to discover and interpret and read. It's about the journey. Uh, I'm going to send us out on the words of one Robert Allen Zimmerman uh, in an interview that he gave to the New York Times in June of 2020, an interview that really gave us one of our most, uh, like our first kind of uh, concept, our first kind of meme uh, or a bit that we kept coming back to on the level, uh, right. where the on the, on the, the level, level mindset. Yeah. Uh, and this is literally the first uh, first question, first answer in the entire interview, uh, conducted by one Douglas Brinkley, June 12th, 2020. Um, he asks Bob Dylan, was Murder Most Foul written as a nostalgic eulogy for a long lost time? And Bob says, to me, it's not nostalgic. I don't think of Murder Most Foul as a glorification of the past or some kind of send off to a lost age. It speaks to me in the moment, it always did, especially when I was writing the lyrics out. So I was here for you folks. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. Come back to it whenever. The answers are all there. Yeah, actually, that's the better way to say it. It's only answers. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Jokerman. Play Buster Keaton, play Harry Lloyd, play Bugsy Seagull, play Bertie Boy Floyd. 
Play the bloodstained banner, play murder more. 